article called Best Tables for Tabletop Games 2024, and it's like, folding table with chairs. And I'm like, what kind of what? article is this? That's... It's, it's, it that was better more, be number 10. It, it was No, it was, it was options of things that you could just kind of find at the store, not ordering a tabletop table. You know, like we... When I say tabletop games table, I'm thinking like the ones with the pockets and the LED lights and the sun. Yeah. Like I have upstairs, right? And this is like Costco six foot fold and half banquet table. Stigmore straight edge 32 inch square folding card table. And I'm just like, here's okay. here's a, a, a ping pong table. You can technically play games on it. Yeah. Like what? That yeah. doesn't check Emma out. Emma and Oliver five piece black folding card room game table with chair set. It's just a card table with chairs, right? Yeah. Folding table. Like, even if you the got creative. The jigsaw like... table, which is, that's like if you want to sit on the living room floor. That's, that, that's Sitting on the living room floor and playing games, that's a young person's thing right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anymore. I wouldn't, I'd be down there. I could get down there. I'd be perfectly fine. But getting back up, it's... that would be the issue. So, actually, I have a theory on this. If you got, so I have a meditation cushion. If you got one of those helps a lot because yeah. it's like you're not your butt's not straight on the floor yeah and then i think if you got one of those are they kutatsus where's grant when you need him to say something japanese um and like put that around you to keep your legs warm i think that could do it i think you can make that work but it's the back the back is now the problem now that i'm thinking about that i'm completely wrong yeah it's it's yeah like i can still sit on the floor crisscross applesauce mm-hmm. and i can hang out there and spend a lot of time and but it's as soon as I tried to get up, that would be the issue. That is the issue. But you know what's not an issue? What's not an issue, John? This podcast. Hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, Jonathan Parrott, and with me today is <laughs> Jamie. Now the and beyond and got me. Beyond. That's, that's see, the part that got me. That's know, just like the nights people have been saying to me, you know. Hey, I heard the podcast. It was great. It was nights. I don't know what you're talking about. Obviously, we would never nights. have a. I would never allow a Multiple podcast. People have just said nights, nights to me. I would never allow a podcast to exist that was just us talking. Like that's as the person <laughs> that has to think of the segues and keep the podcast going. I would never approve nights. Uh huh. Yeah, it happened. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it was a fever dream. We'll see. Hello, listeners. We're glad to talk to you again. And uh, please. Tell us in the Discord what is your gaming table situation like because obviously oh was that whole conversation with the gaming table like I managed to push record just as we started oh. so it's like so good like it was one yeah. of our best intros like it was like it's, the craziest list ever like seriously yeah so it got everybody then me complaining about not being able to get back up off the floor that's what also on there look yeah. I right. I know twenty year olds that have that problem too Jamie well, that is fair. not on you. All right, we just need to establish as a nation that we are all living in the same condition. It's just an age. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I think that they just could have done so much better with this article. Right. It's called 2024's Best Tables for Tabletop Games in 2024. And, And it's all folding tables and a puzzle table. Just start listing Ikea words. Like, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, your kitchen table, right? I mean, right. Whatever you eat on, the floor, just we, your if roof. If you're gonna say best gaming tables to me, I'm thinking like, okay, table toppers, right? They make right. those the plastic ones that clamp onto a thing, and then you get the recessed part, and you get the pockets and everything. 
or you've got uh, Wormwood or um, controversial but fair. They're uh, great tables. Boardgametable.com, mm-hmm. right? You got those guys as well. They all make amazing things. Now they're all expensive. Very expensive. So maybe this should have been the best budget. And you know what? Then that articles. article would have made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the most expensive thing on here is like a hundred and sixty-five bucks. And that's that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. That's budget, but that's not <laughs> yeah. the chic, which was like twelve thousand dollars. One that converts to a dining room table, but has like a recess for it for games. Yeah, it would have been perfect to find something like that. But Jamie, I I know that was slightly triggering for you, but I am going to bring something up that oh. is going to be more triggering. Okay. I just want you to prepare yourself, but I think the audience needs to know. Okay, Jamie, how was the store this week? <laughs> Confucius say may you live in interesting times. Fair. Fair. This was um this was frozen pipes leaking urinal. Uh yeah. So everything was great. I mean, obviously this is the first big snow slash ice event that we've had of this this season, which is really weird that we're halfway through January and we're just getting into this, right? Uh, so we went from snow, which was going to snow, snowmageddon was going to shut down Bloomington. We were going to get six or eight inches and we got an inch. We got maybe? spit on for the most part. Yeah. And it, uh, once again, uh, the moraine saved our day and everything went up towards Pontiac and Joliet and Peoria got hit pretty hard. Kate couldn't make it in from Washington because she was snowed in uh, and we got like nothing again. Mm hmm. So we got past that one, but then the ice, it got bitter, bitter, bitter cold and the ice. Um, I don't know. Do you have frozen pipe issues at your house? I, I do here. I never have. I'm very lucky in that case, though. Um, we have a bathroom sink. We're And for everybody, you know, we're recording at my house again. We are. Uh, mostly because I forgot to take all the equipment back to the store. We're not here to judge, Jamie. Yeah. And we have... Uh, bathroom sink that the cold water line will freeze because of where it's run well i finally got that taken care of only discover that the down one of the downstairs bathrooms uh the water line to the urinal and the toilet froze and i spent nine hours on saturday trying to unfreeze them um Here's the the good and bad news at the same time the bad news is is that when the basement was designed they put in a a cavity in the wall to put all the pipes in, right? A chase, right? right? To put all the pipes in. The good news is is we knew exactly where it was. The bad news is is they didn't insulate that. And part of that chase is an old chimney from when the building used to be heated with um, oil, an oil burning furnace, mm-hmm. which is what they did when the building was built back in the in the late thirties, and. They didn't block the chimney up. So literally when we opened up that chase, it was Arctic wind that was exactly the temperature of outside, which was at the time, what, negative four, negative yes. five, whatever Unpleasant it was. Unpleasant to say the least. Yeah. Blowing right down the chimney. So um, Andy, who owns Catalyst Construction, uh, his guys unfortunately made an oversight uh when they were building it but andy showed up at the game store at eight o'clock saturday night he he texted me he's like i know there's a problem let me drop my kids off at the house because i've got them with me at the grocery store 
and I will be over there to help you. And he came over and we figured out where to cut into the chase, get some hot air in there, found some insulation batting, shoved it in the chimney and made a temporary fix, got all the pipes unfrozen. So we're good there. Um, but now, and now his guys have been there the last two days and sealing that chimney permanently with both insulation batting and the thick foam insulation. They got pipe wraps on all the pipes. We should never have this issue again. Excellent. That's that's our goal. We should never. We also put a, a, a register in the wall to allow hot air from the room into the wall space as well to, to try to keep things warmer in there for the pipes. Sounds like growing pains to me. That's all I'm hearing. Yeah. First first winter in the new building, growing pains. That's a good way to say it. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a heck of an adventure. Uh, understandably so. I'm yeah. glad you survived it. I did. I did. I My construction skills are limited Hmm. to say the least i you know i grew up in a household where my dad and my siblings were all out in the garage building stuff all the time and i was inside fixing the computers and all the electronics so i feel like there's so many people on this podcast that just resonated with that story me among them could i go outside and hunt for food maybe could i build a bench Probably not in a healthy way that would be stable for the bench or my fingers. Could I fix the printer? I could. And that's why I got woken up at 1030 at night sometimes by my mom trying to print off grades because she was a teacher, but the printer would not work. You know what? I spent almost 20 years as an IT guy. I still hate printers. I don't understand how we're 20, 30, what, 30 years into PCs at this point. And printers still cause so much chaos everywhere. I I now have one that is wireless. So in theory, I should be able to print anywhere in my house. Uh, first of all, I have to have a subscription for my printer, which still kind of blows my mind. But Wait, what? Okay. Yeah, so I have a subscription. HP has a subscription with some of their models now where it reads how many pages you print, how much ink you use. And for $5 a month, if you stay within your subscription cost... Uh, they will just send you ink and, if you want, paper. I don't do that because I do uh, cardstock. But they will just send you ink automatically when they sense that you're getting low. Okay, I knew they did that for businesses. I mean, that was before I left uh, Mavidia and bought the game store and did the game store. They were already doing that then. But I didn't know that it was a residential thing now. Absolutely. Oh. And it's it's very interesting because just I will all of a sudden get a package in the mail after Does printing Does it include something. any maintenance? No, of like course not. To fix the printer? Oh, no, no, no. So it just is just ink. for the ink. Yeah. Hmm. And they're just getting signals back. But honestly, I don't print enough you to You ever really seen those them. things that uh, printer ink compared to precious minerals and metals around the world? And then no. ink is more expensive per ounce than diamonds are? <sighs> yeah. Well, the oil, it's like ink compared to gas and lithium and diamonds and oil and all these things. And ink is actually... Because those cartridges actually have such an infinitesimally small amount of ink that is really in them when you're, you're paying, you know, some of those cartridges are 30, 40 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. More expensive than diamond. Jamie, I'm already suffering from seasonal depression. I didn't need information like this in my life. <laughs> That's Which, fair. That's by the fair. way, if you are suffering That's from fair. depression right now, just kind of remind yourself, hey, I'm only getting like two hours of sunlight a day. It's probably very hard. You can look into get a UV lamp or there's tons of great services, people you can call, places you can go to get help. So that's going to be our little PSA. Also, and I'm just going to point out, too, that there are we are on the upswing 
every day yes. there is more sunlight and less dark. Every day. You've made it. From now until the summer solstice. Yep. Every day. It's on its way. Yeah. We're, we've, we've rounded the bend. You know, well, that's why it's called the winter solstice, right? That's, that's, that's the turning point. So we're on the way back towards warm weather. It's supposed to be 50-something degrees next week. 54. What? Yeah, like next, not this upcoming weekend, but the following weekend, it's like 54, 58, 57. That sounds like a tease, and I feel like we will then be bombarded with snow two weeks later. Well. Because February is, is a Illinois. fickle mistress. Nobody in Illinois trusts the weather. No, because it doesn't trust us. Until it is really crappy, and then we're all like, yeah, this is Illinois. This checks out. This is just how it is. Is it really hot? It's Illinois. Is it really cold? It's it's in Illinois. I made a a post yesterday on Facebook, and I said, you know, the the roads are clear. The sidewalks are treacherous. Don't drive like a beep, because this is still Illinois wintertime. Yes. I don't know how you got the beep into the actual message. Did you type beep or was it just an underscore? Oh, no, or just I just asterisks used the full on. It was not a four-letter word. It was longer than that, but Ooh, I just used it. Okay. I went ahead All and rolled right. it. Spicy people Jamie. Who, people who follow me on Facebook just have to deal with whatever I'm going to say. That's fair. I, I will just say that I spent time in the Army and I speak like I spent time in the Army. That's fair. Yeah. And as militant as you are... I am happy to say that you've been just as militant about the games that you've been playing. Because yeah. as we've talked about, I believe on this podcast, you are part of a review panel yes. for board games. They sent you a literal crap ton <laughs> it's the 67. of board games. 67. 67 games. And there's more coming, apparently. What? I, I, got a, I saw a message yesterday that there's like, oh, the next shipment won't be as big. <laughs> I was just that- like... More? It worries me that you're getting more, and that also kind of sounds like there's a shipment after that shipment. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, so for so those... the rules are that the, the 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 games had to have been released in 2023, but they could have been released up until December 31st, right? We did also find we out... did get a couple of games that didn't actually hit the game store until like after Christmas, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Interesting. They were Kickstarters, right? And they were just oh, trying to get yeah. them out the door because they wanted us to have to deal with the inventory ramifications with the IRS versus them dealing with inventory with How the IRS. kind of them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pokemon screwed us hard like three years ago. They they dumped a ton of reprints on us that showed up at the game store on like December 30th. Just like a ton of them. Well, don't worry. There's a game out right now that is pretty much Pokemon with guns and it's eating Nintendo's lunch. So they are getting their payback right now. It's called Pal World. Okay. It's it's like it's kind of like a survival base building game, but you get Pokemon, but then they also come. They're not like Digimon. It's not like they have like here's a rabbit that turns into a roller coaster that fires missiles or anything crazy. Um, it's just it literally looks like Pokemon creatures that all of a sudden will pull out like a Gatling gun or have rocket launchers on their back. So, okay, so since you opened the door to the video games, can I do a news a news article a beep, ten beep, second beep, one? Beep, 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 beep. Video game news. The development company that made the game, video game Payday 3 yes. is making a four-player cooperative Dungeons & Dragons game that's supposed to be out in 2026. I had seen you throw that in the news. Yeah. There's uh, not a lot of details up. on it, but Chance and I were talking about it earlier. Maybe a fantasy... Ver- I mean, Vermintide mm-hmm. is four-player cooperative Warhammer um, fantasy... And it plays very similar to Left 4 Dead, yes. right? With that episodic content and everything, and we're working together as a team. Maybe we got a 
Dungeons and Dragons fantasy version because Payday 3 is a first-person shooter game cooperative where you're trying to rob banks. Honor Among Thieves, we're trying to break in somewhere and rob whatever fantasy pieces and you can you're the fighter, I'm or the mage, abilities. somebody else is the rogue, yep. the warlock or something. I, I could see it happening. I've gone down this road with other friends and conversations. It's going to use the Unreal Engine too. My issue with it is I've played the Payday games, and there is nothing in the Payday games that have made me want to continue playing the Payday games. So Once you beat them all, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I've, I've beat all the levels. Yeah. So since you ruined but my... Left 4 Dead, God, I've played Left 4 Dead so many times all the way through. And Vermintide. I played a lot of Vermintide, too. Did you play a lot of Vermintide, or did you play a lot of Vermintide 2? Both. Okay. Both. Vermintide 2 is much, much better. I had no idea. I, st- I never got into it. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's your the uh, the Skaven, the Ratmen are mm-hmm. the main bad guys, but there are some other characters thrown in there, like some of the trolls and stuff like that. But it's a lot of Skaven, and uh, you play as the various like the the Judicar and stuff like that. That's the character that I usually play. He gets like a flintlock gun, so it's it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. It's kind of Vermintide. The first one is hard. Like, we lost multiple times on levels, but the second one was a lot. You know, they kind of figured out a good balance of the sheer number of rad men that they're sending at you. And it was kind of cool to live inside of this, this uh, Games Workshop world. You know, because until I bought the game store, the majority of my interaction was like uh, Warhammer Dawn of War, mm-hmm. right? And there's Dawn of War, Dawn of War 2, and stuff like that. There's a lot of different video games that use the Games Workshop IP. This is the first one that I remember um, being fantasy based. I, I think there. I mean, Total War Warhammer. I was just. But I haven't mention. ever. I played Total War, but I, I never actually played Total War Warhammer. Hmm. I know it exists. It's out there. My friend used to fantasy be a, too. I'm assuming. Jason, my friend who listens to our podcast right now, is just yeah. screaming in his car. Yeah, I love that game because I used to watch him over his shoulder watch play that game. Yeah. It's very so, exciting. Uh, I'm excited about that, and my my super quick Baldur's Gate three update is I'm still have not progressed to Act two. Of course not. There's so we much to do. We played for like nine one. hours the other day, but we played my friend Mark's game, and Mark we've spent all the time catching Mark up. So I'm still level six and haven't gone to Act two yet. So I will say that uh, my I think I said this before. My crew has fallen apart. Like our atrocities apparently got too much for us and we're just <laughs> the murder hobo went too far look we tried to redeem ourselves it's just very hard once you yeah. go down that road speaking of going down that road we took this tangent way too far because we were going to talk about what games we've been playing lately. oh yeah um, and you and i actually have gotten to play some games because of this this system and so just sunday mm-hmm. today's tuesday recording sunday we played my shelfie fantastic cozy game cozy game um we it was, it was me and you, Tony, and we enjoyed it. Uh, Tony won, and Tony won by a lot. That it was. I don't think it was close. We were. He was like a third score higher than. Oh, us. he just smoked yeah. us. Tony, Tony, Tony figured out what he needed to do earlier than either you or I did. I think a, if we'd gone a second game, we might have brought it back around. Mm, I don't know. He had it on lock. Like his his brain was doing all the algebra in the air to get all that to work. I, yeah. I could not get there. But the next game, that Cosmoctopus. was... Cosmoctopus. was Designed by Paper Fort Games and published by Lucky Duck. And turned out to be a very different game than I thought it was. When you first look at it, it just kind of looks like you're a resource gathering. Yeah. That's not what it is. 
is 100% an engine building game. It's so hidden um, amongst beautiful pieces of, of uh, wooden tokens as well as the plastic tentacles that you get in the game. Yeah, there's um, 21 tentacles, though, not tentacles. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, that. Uh, hang on, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna need a second from that. He was making Aticles joke when we were playing. It was, <laughs> it was a problem. But if yeah. you've ever been into the game store and run into Jamie, you know that this is part of the course. Yeah. Um, no, it was it was really good, it was and, really and I good. enjoyed the artwork on the cards, the fonts. They did a bunch of fun things on the actual cards themselves that we were. The three of us were, were sharing, like, oh, did you see this? This is kind of fun. and It was good cosmic horror funny. Yeah. Which is very rare to do. Yeah. Now, I was talking to my friend Kylie. Did you feel like it went a little bit too long? You know, I didn't. Okay. But I was very focused. Because well, you being, also kicked my butt. I won, yeah. which is a rare thing. Yeah. We've talked about this. Yeah. Um, Tony in the room, he, he's a champ. You and me alone, I don't normally walk away a winner. Uh, so that was a rarity. But I will say that, well, I didn't feel that way because in my mind I was still going and I felt like the turn pace was pretty fast. Yeah. Except for Tony who, did, who could do like 10 minute moves. Um, I know Tony looked at the box and was checking the time and seeing if the box was accurate because he was he was confused as to how long it was taking. Jamie is now currently looking around the room for the box. It's around yeah. here. I saw it while it's, I was setting it's up. It's too far away for it's me to go. It's too far now. Room. We can't go back. We can't stop the podcast and let you pick it up. I'm sorry. I think we were a solid 90 minutes. Maybe I think so. Heading Between the three of us. hours in yeah. there into it. And um, and it didn't feel that long until I realized, you know, he's like, hey, I got to go. And I looked at the time. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, what's good? Yeah. We're, we're getting on. I feel like the a second playthrough would go much faster because yeah. I feel like a lot of the first playthrough was that realization of, oh, this isn't resource gathering. This is this is engine building. I yeah. need to start building an engine. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So that was that was the surprise um, favorite. Right. For the day. Now, I'll also add that most recently I, I got up. Were you here for playing um, The Good and the Rich? I was not. I okay. missed that one. That one turned out to be real. It's a rehash of an older game uh, called Hob and Glut, which was released in 2007 in Germany. And I, don't, I can't find any trace that it actually had made it to the United States. So it was a re-implementation of it. Man, John, uh, that's a game I want to get you in on because that was really good. Oh. That was I. Um, we ordered some for the store after I played that game because that it, is that is high marks. Because normally you'll tell me a game is good. It is very rare you say I want you to play this game because it's so good. Yeah. So that's unique. It was. Um, it's a it's a stock market manipulation game, and it's interesting because it plays a little bit. Um, you've played Between Two Cities, right? Yes. Um, you're putting the in between two cities. You're you're building um, a city out onto the left between you and the person on your left, and then another city between you and the person on the right. Mm -hmm. This one, you have a, a the box comes with racks to put cards in there, and there are cards that each round you have to play one from the rack on the left that the person on your left can see, and one that the person on the right can see. So there's there's multiple. We played it three players, right? So in a three-player game, I could see the rack on the left, which Zach could also see, and I could see the rack on the right, which Tony could see because it was Zach and Tony. Oh, and yes, yes, I yes. had 66% of the information about, you know, the first part of a round, the first phase, you buy or sell. 
um, futures. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of the phase, you do you play cards to manipulate the price of those futures. So if you bought futures, you want to um, drive the price higher. If you um, if you want to be able to buy something, you drive the price down to buy it, then you drive the price up to sell it, right? And right. kind of like the robber barons sort of scenario. And it was really, really interesting as a three-player game. We had 66% of the information. If we, it'll play five, and I would love to play this as a five-player game because at a five-player game, I can see two racks of five racks. So I only have 40% of the information. And I want to see how much it changes the flow of the game. We, it's a simple-looking game. The when you put it on the table, the presence is like, ah. but the play. Once we got into it, we were like, dang, this is really fun. So we got some on order, and, and it should be at the store pretty pretty soon, hopefully. It was way more interesting than any of us expected to when we opened that box. Speaking of things that are way more interesting than I ever expected, or okay. we ever expected, this leads into the first article I wanted to pull today, which is from IGN, actually. It's actually a video, which I'll, again, post on Discord as I try to do. Okay. And this one is talking about something that we've talked about on the podcast before, but it was very much just a kind of a novelty uh, thing, but it was Magic the Gathering Ravnica Clue Edition, which when I first heard that, and I think you probably heard it too, I just thought, oh, it's another skin for Clue. That's what I thought too, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was going to show up on the Clue boards with, you know, Scooby-Doo Clue and all the other different types of clues. Golden Girls Clue is our best-selling version of Clue. That is amazing. Who ate the last piece of cheesecake, John? Oh, the monster. (laughs) I get that. I get that. But this is something very different. Now, the way the game is played is you actually are putting together a deck of magic cards. Mm -hmm. It opens up. It is enough booster packs so that everybody gets two booster packs if you play a full game. And I believe each booster pack kind of has a theme to it or some sort of color variance. They're based on the jumpstart packs. Yes. And jumpstart packs is, is, is wizards of the coast new way to get people into playing magic. Mm -hmm. The hardest part of playing magic is building a deck. It's actually the part I, I like the least. Everybody else, that's their favorite part. But with Jumpstart, you just take two decks. Each one has a theme, like you're saying, and you just kind of like shuffle them together. And now each one of those had 20 cards in it. Now you've got a 40-card deck. You just shuffle them up and you play. And with that thought process is what you go into this game with. However, you also get other cards, which is the character cards, the weapon cards, which for some reason the revolver is not... I feel like Revolver could be in Ravnica. I'm it surprised. It doesn't really not. fit in the magic theme. That's fair. I guess when you can shoot fireballs, who needs a... I, I feel like a wand would be a good replacement. I mean, you can, um, you know, Liliana's raising the dead. Chandra's throwing fireballs. Jace is throwing lightning bolts. I mean, what do you need a Revolver for? That's fair. That's fair. But you also have locations. So at the beginning of the game, just like a normal game of Clue, you set that up. And then as you go about attacking your opponents, when you attack, you get to... Uh, actually look at the cards that they have or ask them if they have a specific card you or get to make like a that. guess you get to make a guess and if anybody is holding any of the cards that you guessed they can say no your guess can't be correct I think it's the only person that you attack isn't it if you do it, damage it, you get to ask them about a specific card that's not how I understood it okay maybe I'm I wrong. understood it as when you did damage to somebody then you got to make a guess and if anybody was holding that card they got to tell you yes or no 
Interesting. That probably is correct. I trust your judgment being the game store owner of this podcast. However, one other interesting element that I learned about was, let's say you get two of these jump packs and they don't merge together. Maybe you get something like green, like green, red or something, something that doesn't have a lot of synergy together. As you take damage, you get uh, treasure cards, which act kind of as like colorless mana, mm -hmm. from what I understand. So therefore, even if you don't come out with the strongest ability to raise mana to get your cards in, you will be able to still have an advantage as you get damaged, which I thought was a great balancing routine for the game. Yeah. So You know, this is we ordered some for the store, but we... And there's a... Uh, it's WPN, the Wizards Play Network, right? That's mm -hmm. the all stores that run Magic in the store, part of the Wizards Play Network. There's a promo night for Ravnica uh, or uh, Murder at Karlov Clue Edition. We didn't order a ton. We ordered some, but we didn't order a ton because we thought it was going to be some kind of another skin or something like that. And maybe there'd be a promo card or something, which there is, by the way, there's a land in there. That's a foil, but it has like, it's a shock land. It's a shock land that with a special art that is exclusive to only these boxes, which is somehow related to murdering somebody. Like the one that I saw was a bath and it had somebody coming through the door and the shadow had like a knife in their hand. Yeah. So. Hollowed phone. Yes. Yeah, the shock land. So, yeah, well, Magic has these different types of lands that you can use. And each series of them operates slightly different. So, probably of the current, you know, the dual lands are the classic ones that are super expensive and not playable in most versions of Magic. But after you get past the dual lands, probably the most popular ones are the fetch lands, which are not in here. In this set, uh, super popular, but then you have the shock lands, and the shock lands, um, they're signified because when you use them, you if you want to use it immediately, you take some damage, it, it mm -hmm. shocks you. That's why they're called the shock lands. So, but they're still most of them can do two different colors, but you can you take damage if you choose to do that, and so they're super popular. They're still kind of hard to get. They keep reprinting them, trying to keep the price down on them so they don't go super crazy collectible. And yet, every time they reprint them, they're so popular, everybody just snatches them all up and says, either I'm putting them in a deck right now, or I'm going to save these and put them in a future deck I want to build. Therefore, none of them sell back to stores, or very rarely they sell back to stores. And there's there's not that many circulating in the secondary market because people tend to hold on to them because they're so good in the game. Interesting. So the fact that they put a shock land in each box with an exclusive art that you can only get in that box, you know, is going to drive the price of those cards up right off the bat. They're going to be there's I think there's is there one two three, uh, I think there's ten possible shock lands if I'm remembering right, and you can get one of the ten in each box. That sounds right. I will say that it uh, does look way more interesting, and I'm, it does. I'm, I want to. I want to actually try it now. Yeah, me too. I'm not a big Magic player. I'm not either. I have a ton of Magic cards, and I never touch them. They are just gaining dust. But now I'm intrigued. Yeah, I mean, because again, I don't have to do the deck building. The deck building is the part that I don't like. That's it's ironic. I love deck building games, but those are games. The difference is, is did I spend five or six hours building a deck before we got together to play the games or in a deck builder game like Dominion, still one of my favorite games. 
we sat down at the table. We all start with the exact same cards, and now the competition part of it is building the deck as we yeah. go along, me yeah. versus you and the other people at the game competing for the cards that are there. That's why I love deck builders, but I don't like decks where you bring your constructed deck to the table. This one is, I'm going to get two packs. I'm going to shuffle them together. Let's play the game. Hey, I'm in for that. Same. And I hope to see them iterate on this in some way. I, I feel like this is going to hopefully be successful enough where we see them kind of play with that dynamic, not necessarily making up new game modes, but finding ways to encourage different ways to play with your decks. Because I have to get us one and we'll, we'll play it like me, you and Tony and Zach or something. Yeah. Four, four guys who don't play magic and just say, was this still fun? Yeah, that would be an interesting question. I will also say that, um, no, I completely lost my thought, but I'm going to tell you something else. Okay. <laughs> There's only one thing I think that might be worse than murder, and that's betrayal. And that's going to move us into our next article, which is Betrayal at the House on the Hill spins off into its own standalone card game. Again, this comes from one of my favorite sites, Dice Breakers, bringing it to us by one of my favorite authors or contributors, I should say, Chase Carter. Uh, basically, the article goes on to say that Betrayal in the House on the Hill is trying to become a bit more of a lightweight and quick-to-play game with their new version called Betrayal at the House on the Hill, Deck of Lost Souls. This is interesting. They wrote an entire article about something that we only know like three sentences and a picture from Twitter on. <laughs> right? That's how good Mr. Chase is when he okay. writes these articles. Okay. Um, I will say that he, there is some speculations, like users guess that both this would be an eventual expansion for the game, so at least one of those mysteries is now solved. It's not an expansion to the normal game. Yeah. You're not, this is going to be more from the sound of it like a social deduction game, much more like okay. One Night Ultimate Werewolf or something along those lines. Uh, and from the looks of it, it's, it's got the new kind of dynamic art that's come along with the new version of Betray Out the House on the Hill. It's interesting because, so the original Betrayal at House on the Hill came out in, I, I want to say what the original was, 96 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the original one had some issues, like you could have a swimming pool randomly floating on the second floor. Hey, we're your... not here to be architects. We're here to solve betrayals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, the I mean, there, was, there was issues with the first one. So then we had a second edition of the game, and the second edition of the game was out for... God, uh, I don't know, 15 years maybe on the second edition, maybe longer than that. And it was one of our top selling games. It hmm. was one that so many people had been introduced to by coming to a, going to a friend's house, playing this game, and just having such a great time playing it that they came in the store to get their own copy. And part of it was, um, part of the game is the haunts, right? The haunts are... Yes. Um, what is going on in this particular thing? It's a random deck of cards, and there are 50 haunts in there. So just a couple years ago, we got Betrayal at House in the Hill, the third edition. Plays a little bit faster, rules a little bit more streamlined, 50 all-new haunts in this game, and a bunch of them sequels to the original. And then for the first time ever, we got expansions to it. Well, yeah. no, that's not true. We did have an expansion, the second edition. We had the we Widow's did. Walk. We had a Widow's Walk. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this one we got um, for third edition. The last two Gen Cons 
Hasbro, or well, this is technically Avalon Hill, which is a, a, a printing of or a publisher underneath of Hasbro, has had a significant Gen Con presence for Betrayal at House on the Hill. It's not been something they've ever really talked about. It was just a consistent seller, but they never really pushed it at, no. or advertised it. Now, two Gen Cons in a row, there's been a fairly large booth with a massive banner hanging on them saying, play the new expansion. And and two years ago, we got the Werewolves expansion yep. to it, which, which changed the game completely. You know, you still use your base game, but now you've got a, a werewolf character that's in there. So one of your member party members turns into a werewolf, and they don't even know at and the beginning of the game. And there's multiple different stories on how that plays out, which I actually very much enjoy. Yeah. And then this last year, we got the new expansion, which was um, the, the um, Krampus? Krampus expansion. Yes. And so now we're seeing a third... Not necessarily expansion, but a spinoff still staying in this universe of all the things that could go wrong at the House on the Hill, right? Now, I will say that I love the second edition of Betrayal of the House on the Hill. Uh-huh. It, it's, not, it's not a perfect game, but I will tell you that one of my favorite stories to tell is I was playing it with some people, and in the game, it was there was one person who was an alien, one person that was a human. The human, they were the last two players of the game. One had to dispatch the other. And the human brought out a music box. And when you played the music box, it would freeze everyone else in the room, but you had to make a roll to see if you dropped the music box. If you dropped the music box, it stayed open, and everyone in the room freezed, including the person that opened it. That ended up happening. So the end of our game was not a victory or a defeat. It was a liminal ending of two creatures having to stare at each other for all existence because there was no one left in the house to close the music box. It was a beautiful ending to the game. Definitely probably not what they designed for. There were a lot of weird design choices in second edition, but I loved how far off the stories went. This new edition, I feel like the stories are so much less compelling. Um, The the haunts are just not as in-depth. And I can understand why. It really simplifies the game, and it focuses more on the mechanics, which makes sense. There's a lot less, because it's always a worry that the new person is going to be the betrayer, and then you have to send them out of the room to read something, and there could be so much stuff there that as a new person to gaming, they might not get. Yeah. Um, so I understand why they changed that for the third edition, but I do feel like it kind of lost a little bit of its magic for me in that way. And I'm kind of interested to see if this werewolf's journey, how if it's going to be able to capture that magic again of just kind of be weird and wild and you're never quite sure how it's going to go. See, and it's interesting you say that because Ryan would tell you that it is their favorite game to teach new gamers. Interesting. That, that, that third edition is the way to go because they streamline a lot of the rules to make it easier for people to get into the game. Hmm. And... Um, it was just interesting contrasting hearing you say that it wasn't your favorite, but Ryan is saying that this is the way that it should be. In my perfect world where I would have people that would want to play board games on a consistent basis and never complain about playing the same game twice, I would say let's play three rounds of third generation Betrayal, and then let's move up to second generation Betrayal, where things get a little bit more complicated and a little bit more wild and crazy. 
Um, yeah, you can't get second edition anymore, though. Nope. I mean, it's 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 gone. Hasbro has said, "Dominus, Dominus," and we're on to the next version. There's so now you've got to find a second edition if you want. You either had to have it, or you've got to find one. And on the the secondary market, the price is going up because the copies are few and far between now. The only thing probably more elusive in that field is the legacy version of Betrayal at the House on the Hill, which is to find a, a completely untapped version of that is yeah, very that's hard a to mistake find. that they stopped printing the, yeah. that one. And yep. I know that they probably did it because third edition was coming out, but you know Jesse has said that it is one of the few legacy games where he and his friends have finished every episode of it and then wanted to start over and do it again. Yeah. So, and, and and that was one that I wish I had grabbed a copy of when we had it, but it, it ran out, and then we didn't, nobody knew it was just gone. It was right. gonna, it was never coming. And maybe you know Hasbro has a habit of bringing stuff back because we're getting all new versions of Axis and Allies this year. Renegade is starting to to Renegade is partnering with Hasbro. And is starting to ramp up that they're not only bringing back like a, a, a third edition of Axis and Allies, but they're bringing off some spin-off Axis and Allies as well, more focused in different parts of World War II. Mm-hmm. So maybe we get a, a betrayal at House on the Hill brought back, maybe? As long as it's not a... a legacy one? A betrayal of the legacy where they have to do a Hasbro pulse where there's, you have to have 300 people to, in order to get this made or something crazy like that. And we have to watch it like a weird Kickstarter basically drown in flames. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I would still like to try it after I mean, that's pretty strong praise from Jesse to say that that is probably, that's his favorite legacy game of all time. I'd agree. And and now I want to try it, and now you can't find one anywhere for like less than two hundred fifty bucks. That's so. true. Now there's a lot to be said about things from our past coming back into our lives, and we can hope that the legacy version of Betrayal will do that. But Jamie, I have something that I think you're going to be actually very happy about that comes from your past and is now coming back to the present, and that is a surprising Dungeons and Dragons novel is to be released this year. Uh, this comes from comicbook.com. See, by I Kristen always Hoffer. wonder when you start into these um, these segues. I always want. I don't know ever know where you're going. It's an adventure, isn't it? It, it is. It's an adventure. Just seeing what what's John going to say next. And just so you know, I send Jamie all these articles ahead of time. It's possible for him to have a good grasp on it, but still, somehow I trick him, and I kind of enjoy it. And then he ruins <laughs> my segue by commenting on how good the segue is. Uh, but in this case, you can't ruin my it's excitement. Like, it's just appreciation, John, and I, for how, and I, what a good job you're doing. And I appreciate it as much as you'll probably appreciate that Spelljammer Memories Wake is going to mark the first D&D Spelljammer novel in 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. So you were alive, but not very old. I was, I was around. I could read I at that point. I high school. I think, let's see, 10, what, what grade are you at 10 years old? Uh, fourth grader or fifth grader. Okay. Fourth grade going into fifth. Normally. I probably saw books about Pern, and that's about as close to like Dungeons and Dragons reading I probably got. Oh man. Some Anne McAfee. The Dragon Riders of Pern. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
I uh, I did a deep dive on Wikipedia on that the other day. They really went far with that. I did not. There was like time travel getting involved. Dragons could go back in time. I never got into them. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure I ever read a single Anne McCaffrey book, given the her uh, prevalence as a fantasy author of the 80s and 90s. Somehow I missed all of those books. Well, did you catch any of the Spelljammer books? I don't. I had the uh, Spelljammer box sets. Uh, the original. There was a Spelljammer box set that was about the like the world setting. Then there was a second box set that was just about. There is a ship called the Spelljammer, and there is a box set just about that ship and about um, what is the asteroid Brawl? Is that right? Yes, the Rock of Brawl. The Rock of Brawl. So it's it's. Only those two things. It's not even how to play the game. It's just like a settings book, and that's it. But I never read any of the novels. I still have upstairs right now a significant portion of the Dragonlance novels and then also the Forgotten Realms novels that they did as well because they would put out a new series there was there was all kinds of different novels that are out there most people know about the dritz novel novels that mm-hmm. ra salvatore did but there was a series a big trilogy thing that every time they switched from like second to third edition third to 3.5 there was a major world changing event that was captured in a series of novels and i have a pretty significant chunk of them from call it 89 or 90 all the way through to probably 96 time frame which was again that would have been second to third third to 3.5 yes uh and that would have taken us through like the the fall of the gods and mistra and 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 uh the all new gods replacing them from second to third and then three five would have been the spell plague um so i have most of them i don't think i have a single spell jammer novel well maybe this is going to be where you can start because Penguin Random House this is a quote will publish Dungeons and Dragons Spelljammer Memories Wake a new novel by Django Wexler. The listing for this new full-length novel says the book will follow Axla, a seemingly new character, as she embarks on a piratical adventure aboard a Spelljammer ship. The new novel will be released this July. Interestingly, the listings were put up at the same time as The Fallbacks, Bound of Ruin, another D&D novel published by Penguin Random House Books, due to be released in March. However, Penguin Random House has yet to send out any press releases or promotional materials for that book. It's, uh, I'll give it a shot. Why not, right? I, I enjoy the setting. The the Spelljammer setting and the Planes Chase setting give you free range to do so much different stuff. Yeah, we've played in the Spelljammer world a little bit. Yeah, so either one of them, I, I'm willing to give the novel a little bit of a, a, a shot to see where we go, right? I've never read anything by this particular author, but you know, I'm always looking for new authors that are out there. Uh, according to the article as well, Wexler is best known for writing the Shadow Campaigns, a series of flintlock fantasy novels inspired by the Napoleonic Wars. Wexler also wrote a pair of Magic the Gathering novels, as he does as he does have some experience working on licensed IPs, and more specifically, Wizard of the Coast IPs. Yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's see where we go. I'm just happy. To, it's going to be interesting to see if they reboot these books or not, because... Wizards of the Coast is great at world building, right? Every time a new magic set comes out, there's four or five what could be easily called novellas that come out or long, Uh short stories. 
that tell you what's going on and how did we get from the last set to this set? What's going on with the world with these planeswalkers? Tons, so much stuff's been written about the Forgotten Realms and, and, and all the characters and how people move around and as time flows forward with that. Let's, um, do you remember, did you ever play anything in Dark Sun? Because there were some great novels that went with Dark Sun. I have read much about Dark Sun, but I never actually read any of the novels attached to it. Kind and of I, a low magic, really dark, almost, it almost felt like it was inspired by Mad Max a little bit. But, Mad Max and Conan kind of weirdly put together. Yeah, very low magic setting. Um, very dark and gladiatorial and, and things of that nature, and so they've they've done an amazing world building job. Let's let's give these new books a shot. Let's see if we're going back to the storytelling aspect that they did in the in the nineties. I'm in for that. I am too. Now the question's going to be, who's going to be the narrator of the audiobook? Because let's face it, that's how you're going to probably read oh, it. I'm going to totally yeah. read the audiobook. Yeah, hundred yep. um, percent. I don't know, James Marsters, right? He would be good. Yeah. I'm always going to be a fan of, oh, of course. I bring it up, and now I can't remember his name. Um, he does the um, Iron Druid Chronicles, Daniels, something Daniels. Um, uh, is it Christopher Daniels? It's not Christopher Daniels. Uh, hold on. We're going to do some filling of the dead air as I talk. Uh, Druid Daniels. And that is Luke Daniels, oh, who yeah, narrates. Oh, yeah, totally listen to Luke Daniels. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. Prevalent. He's amazing when it comes to reading. I he he embodies characters so well, even on the feminine side of of his readings, which I is sometimes really hard for me to do, uh, especially when like they were doing the Harry Potter books, and it was oh, who's the Oh, from the from the crowd, what was that? Tim Dale is what we're hearing, but he would try and do Hermione, and it was just, it took me out of it. Uh, Luke Daniels can somehow do the feminine aspect so well, uh, while I was presenting as a male person in real life, and that's just awesome to see in my case. I just pulled up a list. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but this is saying that Luke Daniels has narrated has been the narrator of. of Possibly 600, 600 results came up when I searched for his names. Yeah, and he did a he did a series of books that I really enjoyed um, because uh, Dakota Kraut is an author that I don't even know if his books actually have print versions or if they're only audiobook versions, but he's an author that I really enjoy. And he writes a lot of what would be the genre would be lit RPG. Have you ever listened to any of those? Yeah. Where it's like people who know that they're in an RPG system and then they get end up in the world that they were living in. Ooh. Yeah. And um, my favorite series that he writes is called um, the the Dungeon series, the Divine Dungeon series, and Luke Daniel is the narrator for all of them. <sighs> No, the, now the, I gotta listen. Yeah, the premise of the first book, and I don't want to give it all away, but the premise of the first book is a guy comes back from the war who is now he's a quadriplegic, and he, um, a buddy from when he was in the military, um, works for a virtual reality company, mm -hmm. and they have this you know quote unquote technology where they put him into the game, not virtual reality. They his body's dead, and they put him into the game. 
And so he knows he's playing a game along with all these other people where most of them are actually just wearing a virtual reality headset or haptic suit or something. And he's part of the game now. He doesn't actually have a body left. And then things start to go sideways with this world where maybe are they creating this world or did the world already exist and they're merely tapping into the world that was already there? Yeah, there's like four, I think there's five books of the main series and then there's a spinoff series and stuff like that too. But really enjoy those. Luke Daniels, the narrator on all of them. I can hear a lot of anime fans calling, that's an isekai. And we know. All right, we know. We get it. It it very well. Grant, we know. It very well could be. It very well could be. I think the what's what's the the first book? I'm trying to find what the first one is. I'm pretty sure if I mention his name again, the the G word, that he will appear like Beetlejuice. So now I, <laughs> I've said it twice. I'm dangerously close. Yeah, all the main books have the word. They're called the Divine Dungeon series, and all of them have the word dungeon in the title somehow. Look it up. Yes. Can I also say, in the like virtual reality world kind of thing going on right now, Yeah. did you see that Disney released their, I think they call it Holofloor? Let me double check what it's called. No. Um, so I was going to say, uh, Lorcana Series 3, Rise of the Inklands is coming it, out in a couple of weeks? It is coming out, yes, but that's that's not what this is, and that's okay. fine. Uh, holotile, excuse me, is what it's called. What's, what's, a, what's a Disney holotile? So a holotile is okay. basically wherever you step, it registers where you're going and keeps you in one place, or at least slows your movement so it feels like you are moving at a much larger rate than you actually are. Oh. And they want to pair this with VR technology in order to allow you to start exploring worlds. But here's what I really think is going to happen. Okay. Because if you've been watching Disney, they're making some crazy animatronics right now. Groot, uh, there was like a, there's like a Fox character that had a like sausage cart that they brought out at one of their, I think, D323 events. They're making some amazing robotics. And I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing Disney parks that are smaller, but as you experience them, much larger than they appear. Or Mm -hmm. you could go to some place like maybe not Disney proper, but maybe they set up a place in Chicago or New York that's a few rooms that has this technology and you can kind of explore a world without that world really having to take up that much space, giving you that immersion therapy. Have you been to Disney World recently? No, I unfortunately... Since they put in Galactic Edge, no, Star Wars stuff? I want to. I, okay. I crave it, but at the same time, it just has not been in my cards. Okay, so um, the they're definitely building, and I don't, I'm not going to spoil that for anybody because I would just simply say it is absolutely worth it to go to Disney World and Hollywood Studios to the Galactic Edge. You can go to California or Florida, but Mm -hmm. I think they built the same thing in both places. They did. And um, it is an amazing immersion experience. There's a Millennium Falcon ride where you get to kind of pilot the Millennium Falcon, and that's kind of cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. You know, but it's not anything pioneering of anything like that but then you go to the the other ride which is the main galactic set ride and the stuff that they do it is just like holy crap the like the world building because there's a point where you're captured by the imperials and you're just like 
you walk out of this, they lead you out of this room and they're your under guard and everything. And they're like, you're like, Oh, I, I don't, I'm not gonna say anything more other than go, Holy crap. Hmm. Just wow. Right. And, and you might've seen some of the pictures of it online. I could see them using something like this because they've had some of these solutions in the past where you were, you stood on the VR platform and you could walk and it was curved so that when you stepped, the floor kind of moved underneath you, but it always, everybody that I talked to that used one of them said you could feel the slope of the, of the floor. So you always knew. And then you were like belted into the center of this machine. So you could feel like you were walking and it was almost like a 360 degree treadmill underneath of you that moved where your feet were. And that's how you moved your character around. But they said it always felt like you were doing something different than what you really wanted to be doing. Like you, you always knew you were stuck inside of this device. Interesting. So if they make something that gets rid of that part of it where you know like, like you, you can't feel tethers on your body anymore, that could be cool. I, and then I, imagine if they took it to the next step further, if you've read Ready Player One, one of my favorite parts of it um, is where they they are inside of the movie War Games, mm-hmm. and you have to relive the whole movie War Games as the characters. How awesome would that be to have something like this and go back to be in your favorite movies and relive those movies as your favorite characters? I will do you one better and okay. say my favorite part of Ready Player One is how he does his daily exercises, where he jacks into his system and he can choose a myriad of places that he can visit in order to go on his daily jog. And I think he chooses like rainbow road from Mario Kart or something, but it's, yeah. and I've seen it. Uh, there was a, a technology where basically you were harnessed in and you wore slippy socks. Yeah. And so you could run in place kind of, but someone was doing that, but they were playing Skyrim at the same time. Right. So they would jog like across the Skyrim map every day in order to get their exercise. So you couldn't in. fast travel. Well, you could, but yeah. Yeah. You, you were trying to get exercise, Jamie. It's, it's... Well, yeah. Well, Ready Player One took it one step further where it actually kept track of the amount of calories he consumed every day. And it mm-hmm. wouldn't let him log into the main Oasis universe until he had burned off that many calories in his exercise routine the next day. He had set it up that way, which would yeah. be very interesting. But... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd just be starving myself because I didn't want to exercise or I would actually get in shape if that was the conditions. If only we could find out. <laughs> Maybe with this hollow tile, we'll figure it out. But sadly, the hollow tile does not exist in our hands yet. We can't play with it. But you know what we can play with? What can we play with, John? The games in the new hotness. The games in the new hotness. Now, there <laughs> almost choked there. Um, there are not a ton of games in the new hotness right now that are new because... Um, it's filled with a lot of reprints that we haven't been able to get in forever, and we finally got some. Interesting. So the first thing that pops out to me is the fact that there's a third Canvas expansion? Yeah. I did not know. Yeah, so we um, we had the third one for a while, and then it sold. Um, the third one we've actually had for a very long time, but we sold out of parts one and two, and we couldn't get them anymore. And it's really hard to sell an expansion when you can't get the base game anymore. Right. Hold on a second. <coughs> Ooh, sorry. We're not cutting that out. That's staying. Right. People well, are yeah. going to have your cough from now on. Here. Yep. Uh, another great thing that I'm seeing on here is... Uh, Wait, real oh, sorry. sorry, we're going back. Yes, I was trying to fill air. Those are... Um, Road to Infamy is in Champagne. Makes what? All, yeah, they're in Champagne. They make all the canvas games. All right, Jamie, 
I'm not one for New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Okay. I don't I don't like going around and saying, all right, just because it's the most depressing time of year, I'm gonna try and change my life. But okay. On this podcast right now, I am going to make one, and that is we are going to have so many more guests on this podcast this year because we have been kept on talking about this. Like Ben Rossett, I've been hanging out with him actually more because of this podcast. I've been helping him do board game design, and he's been fantastic to work with. Yeah, Uh, I want to bring him back on because he's getting some games kind of coming down the pipe. Uh, We That game creator – not game creator. uh, There's like a board game factory that you were talking about nearby. Right. Um, yep. And now this just happens to be in Champagne. Yeah. I Jamie. thought you knew that. No. Oh. Jamie, you have all these contacts. I, yeah. I am here seeing like, let's do guests and you're just keeping them from me. I'll, I will sick Ariel on it because I will forget and Ariel will just keep going at it till she gets us some more guests. Ariel is a force of nature and I will always yes. appreciate that about it. Ariel. If you're listening, way to go. And you're also a great DM. And yeah. I appreciate you. Um, so not only, yeah, they're in Champagne, and the 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 ones that we you got you're seeing in the new hotness are all the deluxe Kickstarter editions too. Oh, okay, great. With the great. wooden components and all the oh, upgraded pieces. Does it have the little wooden stands? Not the wooden stands. Oh, okay. They've right. never they printed those one time for the very first Kickstarter. They've never made those again. So Fair. the wooden stands you could only get. We had them. We sold them, and now you can't ever get them anymore. But you can get any kind of easel. Yeah. At Michaels for like you know a couple bucks. And put them in there. They were just so cute. Yeah. Uh, and from the from the crowd, what was that? Bin store. Oh, okay. Uh, so in case you don't know, of course, we're recording at Jamie's. So occasionally when we do this, uh, we're going to have a little Kelly minute. And we've had two this episode, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Kelly's actually very excited about this. She just went a little woohoo hand motion from the living room. Uh, another thing that's jumping out of my eye is the Displacer Beast for Dungeons & Dragons mini. Yeah. That looks amazing. That's built on a six-inch scale, which is the same size. So Hasbro has kind of, they've got the six-inch scale, which is the Star Wars Black series. And mm-hmm. then um, for Dungeons & Dragons, it's called the Golden Archive series um, that they have been doing. And it allows them to put a lot more details into the minis. So we've seen the, the main characters and bad guys from Honor Among Thieves. We had the gelatinous cube and the owlbear, and now we have the displacer beast with all six of his legs and his um, tentacles right out of the uh, labyrinth scene of the movie. Now, Jamie, wouldn't those be tuticles? <laughs> you see? You see how that feels, Jamie? See how that hurts well while you done, laugh? Well Thank done. you. Thank well you. Done. I appreciate it. That felt good. That felt real good. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen if they're going to make anything else in that six-inch scale or not, but it would be really cool if they did. I, I don't know what the next thing might be. Jamie, I'm seeing these from beyond. Like They look like little cards kept by a ring. What am I looking at here? Okay. So that is um, uh, a company called Stat Tracker. And what they originally, what we used to get from them is they would make these, well, stat trackers that what they're, they're blank, long, skinny cardstock character sheets. And it was designed so that a player could fill in all the essential information for their RPG character, be it D&D or Pathfinder, and then give it to the DM and the DM, uh, the top part folded over to hang on a DM screen. So on the outside of the DM screen, the DM could rearrange them to show like initiative order for mm-hmm. combat or whatever mm-hmm. we're doing. And on the inside of the screen, then the DM has all the critical stats for the characters. They still make those. 
Okay. However, they have taken it to the next level, lever, level and said, what if we made all those for the creatures that the characters might be fighting against? What if? Yeah, so there are different packs that have different creatures um, that you can buy, and it has, now the players have an image of what the creature looks like, so they have a better idea visually of what that, what does a bugbear look like, or what does a, an orc, or a, whatever it might be, right? And, um, and then on the inside, it has all the critical stats out of the player's handbook or the Pathfinder um, bestiary that they need to do to run their adventure. So you're, let's say, for instance, it's a Displacer Beast. How many attacks does it get? What kind of attacks? What do the, the tuticles do? When it's, um, it's, it's, I hate it. I hate it so much. Why did I do it? I regret it. <laughs> regret everything. What, what do they do? You know, all the kind of the abilities of that creature. So it's all there and you don't have to keep flipping back to your, your monster manual. It's all yes. there. So you can buy each one of those and then it, it still angles and hangs over the top of your DM screen. Again, you can still put an initiative order and things like that as well. Fantastic. Yeah. So there's a, there's a bunch of different packs depending, and there's one just with NPCs. And it's called, I think, from the inn. So it's oh, it's I see what good guys and bad guys of NPCs, and use them however you want to. That's, thanks for keeping us in the know, Jamie. Oh no, <laughs> oh no, what's going on? I they're, can't stop. Well, they're all all of them are named from the something. Okay, all right. So from the tuticles. So normally I come up with a really great segue to ask you what's going on in the store this week, and I actually want to highlight something that's going on right this. Second. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're too late. I apologize. But I want to bring it up because it's something that I think could get a little bit more traction. And that is the board game developers group that meets at Red Raccoon Games. Yep. Tuesday uh, nights. Tuesday nights. Uh, they Is it two times a month? No. Third, third, no. Third, no. Fourth Tuesday of each month. For, oh, that's right. They actually do meet two times a month. Once, Once at a, at a home Or at a, home, a church, yes. Yeah. The other time they will meet at Red Raccoon. And I am receiving, because I'm part of the Discord for it, uh, I'm receiving texts of everyone saying, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And I've gotten a chance to actually play with them a few times. I think yeah. I've mentioned it on the podcast. Great crew people bringing some really innovative thoughts and games. It's really rough stuff. But if you are at all intrigued about the process that it takes to develop the mechanics of the games you love, Definitely stop in and give it a try. They're a very welcoming crew, and I can say that with my time and, and with them and, and working with Ben, that it has given me such better appreciation for the step-by-step process that, that has to go into gaming. Yeah. Because I, I play a version of the game, and then I will come back another time, and there's a new version of the game, and I get to see the evolution and the changes. And I, it, put it on your calendar for next month if you're interested at all. Fourth Tuesday of every month. Yes. Now let me. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take two segues off. Two <gasps> okay. Can segues. you do it at the same time? Let's find out. Well, the first one is is last night I was supposed to do a game development presentation for the Boy Scout troop. Oh. But it got canceled because of the ice. That would make sense. So we're gonna get that rescheduled as well. But it's it's. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not. There is a Boy Scout badge for game development that what? you can get. And I know that Ben has done them in the past for other troops as well. And we were going to kind of talk about, you know, here are the, some of the different mechanics, right? This is roll the dice, move your pieces. This is engine building. This is worker placement. This is 
um, because uh, one of the moms of the troop is a big board gamer. And so okay. she was bringing the whole troop. It was going to be like, I don't know, like 20-something kids. And we were going to talk about, and I was going to show them with boxes from the store, these different mechanics so they can start to win their – they have to develop a game or something similar of it to get their badge. And so um, they were – this is probably the fifth time I've done this for various – different troops around town Uh i need to organize them all and say okay we're going to put all of you in the room at the same time so i can do this once although that's going to be like you know 70 or 80 you know fourth fifth sixth graders same time that could be i'm sure that'll work out just fine yeah i'm sure nothing can go wrong in that situation as an eagle scout myself i get it yeah the second thing i was going to say is ben and i are actually doing so ben volunteers at the museum downtown the museum of history mclean county museum of history the things you learn listening to this podcast and they found out because several of them are board gamers they didn't know that ben has like five or six games to his name right now mm-hmm. um not even sure how many it is at this point might be more than that he's got some even still coming out the pipe right yeah. now Fromaggio is not even out yet. No. Or Fromage. Fromage is, is, has been, I believe, kickstarted, kickstarted. and done. There's, I, I don't know what I can say or what I can't, so I'm yeah. just going to be quiet. Yeah. Um, so uh, they found out that Ben, this guy who just volunteered to work at the desk and sit there and everything like that because he loves history stuff, which almost all his games are history-based. Yep. Based, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the episode where Ben was talking about his passions and where his game ideas come from. Still our most listened to podcast. Is it? Yep. Nice. Um, and so uh, they found out that Ben volunteers for the museum. And so Ben and I are doing a kind of the state of board games and board game designs. Um, the museum does a monthly lunch and learn. And, and most most of the people who tune in and listen to it, you can either come to the museum um, in February, uh, and we'll, we'll share the dates out there, um, you can come to the museum and listen, or you can stream it and just listen to it from home or watch it later. Uh, and we're going to talk about here's kind of what's going on in the world of board games, and here's how it has is different and evolved since. You know, so many people's like, you mean like Monopoly? Yeah. That's what I get all the time when oh, I say all the time. I own a board game store. Um, you mean like Monopoly and Clue? Yes, but more, right? And uh, so we're going to do a presentation now. And the majority of the people who follow the museum are – um, older, but not everybody, and and anybody can come and participate and listen on, at any time. So, uh, that's something that's coming up that Ben and I are doing in February. Awesome. Well, something to look forward to, and we'll definitely put some links out there for yeah. it. And you know what's coming up, John? This Friday. You tell me. New Pokemon set. Of course. <laughs> Paldean Evolve comes out. That's not a word. Paldean. Yes. It's what a is region that? for the Pokemons. Oh, okay. And then, uh, Pal- not Paldean Evolve, Paldean Fates. It's a new special set that drops, and it comes out this Friday. Um, and it's one of those ones where they trickle out different packaging over three different weekends. Um, and it's the lead-in to the new f- set coming out, which I think is Temporal Forces that comes out in um, late February. Mm-hmm. And then uh, new Magic sets on the way. Of course. There's new everything. There's so many CCGs it's, right now. It's so good to see a few more of those becoming more popular. Cause I, I think I was doing some research and one piece is actually really coming up and, and not one dominating. Piece is still but... suffering from supply chain issues. Exactly. Yes. That's that's until Bandai figures out supply chain issues. 
I mean, we're going to have more people who want to play One Piece at the store than we can provide stuff for them to play with. You know, we um, the last pre-release we had, I want to say, 24, 25 people, which is a pretty good number. And this time it sounds like we're only getting the stuff for like 12 or 18 people. So everybody who wants to play, we are not going to have enough stuff. But, but it's growing, and I think it's in part because of the new Netflix show. The Netflix show is great. They're actually going to be redoing the cartoon for really? Netflix, uh, updating the animation, kind of well, restarting it. One Piece is it. like 20-something years old, right? 20- it is over, I believe, 300 episodes. Okay, but I mean as the manga. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, The manga yeah. is like 20-something years old, too. And you want to know something terrible? What's that? We still don't know what the One Piece is. I haven't even watched the whole thing. I just try and keep up with friends who are into it. And they, I ask them every week. I'm like, hey, what's the One Piece? And they still don't know. It's a treasure. It's We know where it's located. Luffy's on his way to get it. No idea what it is. 21 years he still hasn't figured it out? No idea. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Right I on. mean, sometimes I, I read manga and anime. And I just think, okay, there's a person that really loved making D&D characters but never got to play them. So he created a show or a manga just so that he can put these characters in there and give them some screen time. And okay. I respect that. It's a, it's a vibe. But, um, yeah, that's kind of one, one of the things I feel about One Piece. Okay. Okay. I did not realize that we just still did not know what the One Piece was. There's a soda-powered cyborg, Jamie. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. There's a, um, a skeleton that does, I believe, violin. Um, yeah, it's on a violin or on himself. So I, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, or you could, or if you want, I can say the G word one more time and, and he will appear and Grant will, Oh no. Uh, <laughs> Grant can explain everything. I'm sure. <laughs> rock, um, on, rock, rock on, rock on. So, okay. yeah. So things coming up in the store this week. Um, I probably, the big thing right now is, um, this Saturday is our puzzle tournament. Ooh. Which I'm really hoping the puzzle show up in time for the puzzle tournament. That, That'd be that, nice. That, nice yeah, touch. That I I hadn't seen a shipping notice, and I contacted some people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's going out today." I'm like, "It's coming from New York." Three day shipping. Shipping on Tuesday. Little little tight. Little tight. So, uh, puzzle tournament and puzzle swap meet on Saturday. First time ever. So, we're we're gonna do that. We've never done one of these before. And then uh, the next weekend, we're rolling into the um, uh, the Explorers of Intasia mm. session zero for our new store D and D campaign. How have I? I need to sign up for this. Okay, and then um, February. Oh gosh, what's the dates? Tenth. Uh, okay. I think is I think February tenth is Saturday night. Um, is the D and D live show, the live D and D live play comedy show at Red Raccoon Saturday night at seven p.m. Now, Jamie, just to make sure, would yeah. there be one location where people could find all of these dates and, and yes. know where to look? Go to redraccoongames.com and click on events, and it will take you to our event calendar. There's so much stuff going on at the store anymore that I have to pull up the event calendar myself to go, what are we doing today? Now, Jamie, I have, have some really fond memories of Red Raccoon for one specific day, and that was a day where... Kelly and I got to give out chocolate ganache to the masses. Yes. And that was the tour to chocolate. chocolate soup. And, and uh, Kelly got on my Facebook and sent me a message. And she's trotting over here, which she totally should. Uh, 
because it's a great event, and I would love to talk about was when that, that's happening. Was that a trot or a sachet? Uh, it was a trot when I was watching it. I think she merged into a sachet by the time you turned around. Okay, there was some there was some fancy footwork that was going there. Absolutely. So, yes, Tour de Chocolate is one of the longest-running events um, in the downtown Bloomington area. Do you, do you want to talk about this at all while you're over here, or do you want me to talk about it? Okay, so She's Tour de Chocolate is one of the longest-running events in downtown Bloomington for the first Friday series. So it always happens on the first Friday of February. It started the first or second year that we had the bakery. The first year we had the bakery. So 2006 is when it started. And basically it is an event where um, most of the downtown retailers stay open late. And they have some sort of a chocolate treat or special. A lot of it is free chocolate giveaways. The bars aren't allowed to give things away, so you can go to some places like the Bistro to get a chocolatini, which are pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you people just walk around downtown and indulge in chocolate treats. Yes. When we were on our honeymoon in Edinburgh. Ooh, Matthew Lore. Let's hear it. I was uh, enjoying the sights of the Edinburgh Castle, which is absolutely amazing. And if, if you, anybody's ever in Scotland, you should go and check it out. And almost had my arm pulled out of socket because Kelly had seen multiple blocks away a sign that just said chocolate soup. Mm. So we go to the chocolate chocolate soup store. You could pick from dark milk or white chocolate soup. And when you ordered one, they gave it to you with Scottish shortbread, which they just called shortbread Mm -hmm. because we were already in Scotland. And, they don't um, do that with French fries. I don't know why. Yeah, they're yeah. Are French fries still French fries in France? No, they're just fries. They don't even have those. I don't think. They're yeah, frites. Like, they're uh, frites. Anyways. Yeah, and so um, so we go to the chocolate soup store and we're indulging in the chocolate soup and somehow Kelly talks them out of the recipe <laughs> to make chocolate soup because we're visiting and it's not like we're going to be competition for them opening up in Scotland, and we made it for that first. Um, first Friday of February for the very first tour to chocolate. We made chocolate soup with shortbread to dip them in the, in the soup, which is amazing. And we have made it every year since then. And since we no longer have Kelly's Bakery and Cafe that has migrated to Red Raccoon Games for First Fridays. So first Friday of February coming up. And I will also say... It's also Groundhog Day, isn't it? Is it February 2nd this year? If you're wondering what chocolate soup is... Chocolate soup is to hot cocoa as espresso is to coffee. It is condensed, it is intense, yes, and it is delicious. Yes, it is. That's why you're only allowed one small portion per year. Yeah, many people, I remember, because I got to serve it last year, I think that's really when Kelly and I became, like, good friends. Like, we knew each other, we liked each other, but, you know, we, we got in the trenches with chocolate soup, and it worked out. And so many people would take it from us, and I could tell in their face, they're like, this is it? This is all I get? And I just had to tell them just automatically, drink it one, drink one sip. You'll see. And yeah. they would, and they're like, ooh, okay, I get it now. I get it. Yeah. So you have to make it through all of downtown. So yeah. if you fill up at just one location, you're going to miss the opportunities at the other stores. I think it, from the sound of it, you should stop by Red Raccoon first. That's I, what I'm hearing. I would agree, because yeah. yeah. there's always a crowd. Yeah, chocolate soup is like, I remember Paula Dean was on NPR. And she talked about the Ladies' Day Delight burger, 
which is the burger. She's the one who is credited with having invented using Krispy Kreme as your buns for your hamburger with a fried egg on there. It's and a once-per-lifetime serving That's size. exactly yes. what she yeah. said on NPR. She was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Mm-hmm. Once per lifetime, you're allowed to have that. And so this is kind of going down that path of one time per year you can get chocolate soup. That sounds right. Was it, It's seven different kinds of chocolate melted into milk and heavy cream. And, yeah, it's, it's everything decadent about a hot chocolate that you can possibly imagine. I tried to look at what the recipe was. Kelly just threw some of it in my face. Like, it just burned my eyes. I couldn't tell. It was really bad. Well, also, that was partially because the electric roaster we had had two settings, off or high. Boiling. Yeah. (laughs) We got a new electric roaster that we can actually say, here's the temperature we want it to be at. Oh, well, that'll be a nice new touch this year. It was always like, how hot is it? Just unplug it. Okay, and then it started to get cool. Plug it back in because it was either boiling or off. Mm -hmm. That was the only two temperatures the old one had. Well, so in our defense, when it was Kelly's, we had the opportunity to have soup hot. So we would... So we would empty the soup pots and clean them. And the soup pots had a temperature, right, designed for soup. And we would sell three or four soup pots worth of chocolate soup, or not sell, give away, you know, for for the event. So we were just kind of playing it by ear in in the roaster. And trying not to let the chocolate scorch. Scorching was bad. Yeah. We're going to have three pop-ups as well. So the Girl Scouts are going to be there, and this is going to be one of your first opportunities to get Girl Scout cookies. Got to get those Thin Mints. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> they are going to be there. Then Jay's Cheesecakes and Bakes. He's going to be oh, there. Oh, he makes really good cheesecakes. Yes. Those will be for sale, not Correct. for freeze. Same thing with the Girl Scout cookies for sale. And then Tiff's Hot Cocoa, Hot Chocolate, will also be there doing cocoa bombs. I don't bombs. know who that is. Yeah, she does hot cocoa bombs, but she also does oatmeal bombs. What the heck is that? You make a bowl of oatmeal and like you... Did you drop something in there and it makes your oatmeal deliciousness? I'm I'm pretty sure you warm up water or milk and you drop the ball in there and then it makes your oatmeal. I, I'm I'm kind of actually here for that to be honest with you. Can you also then throw it in the tub for an oatmeal bath? I think you should. Okay, that was I think. What you if there's chocolate in there? That might go sideways. Or sugar. I mean, you get sugar depending water. on who you're bathing with, who knows? <laughs> Sorry, this is a family friendly podcast. My apologies. I. Uh, Jamie got me on to being punny, and now apparently I'm being uh, a little spicy. So I think that is a sign that we need to talk about the things that uh, we want to recommend. Video games, anime. What is the media that we are consuming and liking right now, Jamie? Do you have anything off the top of your head? Um, Okay, so I just finished The Aeronauts Windless, which is the the first book of the – I don't even know what the name of the series is from Jim Butcher. It's like his not Dresden Files series. It's his other series. I just finished that. Very good. And the second book is coming out later this year. Okay. Currently listening to The Fourth Wing, which I kept seeing people talking about and kept seeing all these these best of lists. Um, Just so everybody knows, if you decide to listen to The Fourth Wing, this is Twilight with Dragons. That's what it is. There's a love triangle and there's dragons. So I just need to be a little bit clearer on this because Jamie, I'm, I'm a little farther down the, the road of this book than Jamie is. It's, it is the spiciness of Twilight with the angstiness of the Hunger Games with the Dragon Riders of Pern. Like it's, it is a weird trifecta. Now I will say the dragon concepts behind it, I love it. Super fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the spiciness 
kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, there's a lot of buildup, and you're thinking, okay, it's just going to be like the smoldering will they, won't they business. No, this is not a young adult novel. Do not be fooled. You should not <laughs> okay. listen to this to like when other people are around you. Okay. This is, uh, what's the lady's name that writes all the werewolf books? Like we're, Laurel Hamilton or something yes, like that? Yes, Laura K. Hamilton, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are pretty spicy too. Yes. Yeah, I was listening to one of those one time. Not I, Somebody, I just saw it like, a, oh, I really enjoyed this book. So I just got the audiobook and listened to it. And Kelly got into my car. She's like, what the heck are you listening to? Because yeah. it was it's it was a full on sexing. It was mm-hmm. it was there was there was no it was fantasy harlequin romance novels. Gotcha. Yes, that's what those are. And so it, John is telling me that I'm apparently heading for this as well in Fourth Wing. I just don't want him to be like listening to it on an open audio while he's doing something, and then all of a sudden Kelly walks in and thinking he's listening to smut. That's really what I'm trying to avoid. For yeah, you. there's been a lot of like. So and so stared at so and so other's lip and bit their lip and stuff like that. Yeah, they, a lot of that already. They trick you into thinking this is Hunger Games level spice. It is not. It is saucy. Okay. Um, okay. I did not know this when I started it. I just kept seeing it show up on like best of 2023 fantasy novel lists. And yeah, it, it is good. Yeah, I won't lie. I, I am enjoying it, but there has been, you know, at least. Uh, Probably six hours into it and probably 45 minutes of staring at so-and-so's lips or pecs or whatever, right? As so. one is wont to do when you're in a world of dragons and ruthless military school regime. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what, are you, what are you up to, John? What do you got going on? So I, I got one or two things. Uh, I think the, the first one I'll say is this is for my old school gamers. Okay. Uh, Super Nintendo specifically. Okay. Uh, growing up, I one a no excuse me let me rephrase that i had a super nintendo because my dad bought it because he was having a big business trip and the the business people come into town these business people had children he pretty much bought a super nintendo so that i would have something to play with uh with these kids and then i get to keep it afterwards all of you stay out of the way yeah so we have business to do you kids go play yes and so i had like the game the the mario game for it i didn't have anything really else because we we were still lower middle class at this point and those games were expensive and i uh one day i was selling tickets because i played baseball for a short amount of time in my life and i was selling tickets for a raffle what position i play right field it's important you know you gotta know how to catch you gotta know how to throw uh, my parents wow. very much uh, said that my favorite position was talking on the bench because I was a very <laughs> social young kid. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, me too. But right, yeah, yeah. But I played first base because I had long arms I could catch. Nobody else could throw the ball at me so I could get the ball to wherever they threw it near me. Of course. Again, you tall people with your blessings. Yes. Uh, but for me, um, what what I when he, my grandfather won another Super Nintendo okay. and he offered it to me, he could trade it in for for games. Okay. And one of the games I picked out was Secret of Mana. Oh, I had never played spicy. it, never heard nice. about it, but it was my first introduction to like RPG like action play. Yeah. And it really stood out in my mind. So. The other day I was cruising on my PlayStation 4, was looking up at the games that I could, you know, I, I've got the subscription service so I can download games that they offer. And a remake of Secret of Mana is on there. And they really? redid all of the graphics. They 
they added voice acting to all of the characters, even the NPCs. Wow. Uh, but the mechanics are still the same and very dated. So uh, for those of you who don't know, you take a swipe and then there's a little bar at the bottom that has to count up to 100% because if you swipe before then, you're not going to do as much damage. So you really have to like control your hits and things like that. Yeah, it's, an arch- it's an archaic system. Nobody should use it anymore. Yeah. But this game had it and they kept it to a T. But if they got rid of it in the remake, people would have lost their minds. Of course they would have. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been a little fun to get back into that. I don't know if I'm going to finish it, but definitely there is some memories uh, that are unlocking in my brain from from going through this. It was it was a, a masterful game. But I will say the biggest thing that I want to talk about is Dimension 20 Fantasy High Junior Year. OK, so for those of you that have listened to a while, you know, I'm a huge fan of something called Dropout. Used yep, to be known yep. as College Humor. Uh, Katie at the store is a huge fan of it as well. We normally geek out about it. Okay. Uh, Fantasy High was one of the first Dungeon and Dragon series they did on the Dropout Network, which is called the D twenty uh, Dimension Twenty um, on the Dropout Network, and it basically is the land that you always expect from a fantasy world. The elves have their areas. The dwarves have their caves. The um, all of these different races have these different kind of parts of the continent, except right in the middle is a John Hughes movie <laughs> where they have created a Magitech and uh, you have cars. It, it's very much kind of like 50s, 60s vibe to it. Okay. Um, no, like maybe some 80s too. Era? Like maybe some 80s as well. Like okay. you got varsity jackets, you've got like football teams and all of that. So. The first season of it is their freshman year. So Dungeons and Dragons meets Greece. Yes, that's a great way to put okay. it. Okay. Um, so you have a a goblin who wants to be a detective because his mom is a cop, and so he's kind of the nerdy kid that's kind of asking too many questions. Uh, you have uh, the tiefling who just found out that her dad is not her dad. Her dad is actually a demon, and that's why she's a tiefling, and she's having to live with that adjustment of that news. Okay. Uh, we have. Uh, a young girl who is magically powered. She should be going to a better school, but she has such anxiety issues. She couldn't attend. So she's now having to deal with her anxiety, going to more of a public school situation. Okay. Uh, You have uh, the half orc that was raised by gnomes. So he's very (laughs) quiet, but he's also a barbarian. So he rages sometimes and just destroys things and he doesn't, he can't control it. He's the kid that always wears the hoodie. Is that like a, Carrot from Harry uh, Terry Pratchett? Kind of, yes. Because Carrot yes. was a human raised by dwarves who didn't know he wasn't a dwarf. Exactly. Or elf, Buddy the Elf, right? Elf, good example as well. And then finally you have a character named Fabian... Oh, wait, no, you have two more characters. You have Kristen Applebee's, who is uh, kind of the church kid that really wants to get you into the religion but doesn't want to be too like pushy about it, but really wants you to know. She's a cleric. Okay. Yep. Uh, she worships the sun god. And then okay. there is the son of a pirate that is trying to live up to his dad's legacy of being awesome. Black Stubble. Uh, his name is Fabian Seacaster. Okay. And, and it is all wow. of them on their freshman year within the does first. Does he have the hair? Does he do like the hair toss? There's like, like a Fabian swoop. Does. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's yeah, a swoop okay. for sure. Uh, and on their first day at school. They have an encounter where three of them die. 
And I'm just going to leave it there to tell okay. so that you can, if you so choose. So, can go so now we're on junior year. So we're we, in three years of this. Now. Exactly. And it has been a wild ride that they have started because now the characters have grown up in different ways. They're realizing like they had to go on an adventure during their summer vacation. So they're just now like starting school completely tired and wasted. And they That's how I felt most of high school. Right. And, and they're realizing like, okay, we're going to be adventurers, but we also have to start thinking about like college and what adventuring college can we all get into because we're an adventuring crew or do some people want to split up and kind of after college do their own thing? And they're kind of now addressing, like, looking at their future a little bit. And it's only two episodes in so far. They do amazing work with miniatures and getting the camera right inside of the action that's going on on the table. Uh, there's a, a huge documentary about the person that puts together the tables named Rick Perry and how he goes through his process. They released that on Dimension 20 as well. I feel like I've been talking more about this than I have anything else we've talked about on this podcast Obviously, so far. So I'm going to cut myself that, off. Uh, what's the guy's name? Brendan Lee Mulligan? Yes. You're a, you're a, you're a fanboy. Huge fan. You would he, probably have his kittens. I He actually just had a child, his first child. It's very sweet. Um, he keeps showing up in like Facebook or uh, Reels or, or Imager or Reddit stuff, like little clips on some game show or trivia show that they're doing. Yes. I don't so, know what the name of the show is, but I just see clips of like he gets asked a question and he just starts going crazy. So Sam Reich owns Dropout. He bought it. Uh, he is the son of oh Robert Reich, I think it is, The Economist. Isn't and it Reich? Reich, sorry, Reich, okay. yes. And he uh, created a game show called Game Changer where every episode is a different game, but the contestants don't know what game they're playing until it starts. Okay. So That would explain some of the clips I've seen because it's they're always all, all over, over the place. place. Yeah. They're all over the place. Sometimes it's just making noises. Sometimes uh, one was the contestants had to guess a number, and then they found out what they had to do with that number, such as... You have to say I'm hungry to a uh, pizza delivery service uh, on the phone this many times. And I think the person guessed like 10. So in their conversation trying to order a pizza, they had to keep on going, I'm hungry. So it's... Is that like um, how many times can you say meow on Super Troopers? Very close. I was just thinking of that analogy. But uh, they do a, a Survivor one. They do like a Bachelor one. They they okay. run the gambit. It sounds really like should. right up my ADHD kind of brain. Before right I leave tonight, I will give you access to my account so you can check it out. Okay. And, now, and like it, it reminds me, I'm going to make a plug for another audiobook okay. because I love it, and I just listened to the entire series again. Uh, Drew Hastings. Um, it is a series called Super Powered, and it is um, superheroes are real, and people manifest power, and to be a superhero is a profession that you must go to college for and complete college classes to graduate to be allowed to become a superhero. And if you don't graduate, they block your powers forever. So it is the story of these kids going through college, and each book is one year, freshman through senior, of them trying to reconcile who they are as individuals as well as how their powers have changed and manifested and they learn to use them and stuff. Great series. I need to get you to watch Generation V on Amazon Prime. 
Okay. I, I think there's something there for you there. Uh, but I want to talk about one other superhero. Okay. Okay. Ready? His name is Spencer. He works at Red Raccoon Games. <laughs> and the last I love thing, Spencer. Spencer's, Spencer's great. Amazing. Spencer's amazing. And I just want to say one of his latest amazing efforts is. Did you see it? Taking over the TikTok channel for Red Raccoon. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going to go. No, I'm. I'm. Okay. This is coming okay. back around to a plug. So yeah. if you have not gotten on the Red Raccoon TikTok, it's it's had its ups and downs. It is now some really great content. I think Spencer's been doing a fantastic job, and I just wanted to give him a shout out for it. I was going to plug Spencer. I, I thought you were going with Spencer. We we have the rental library, and Spencer just said it was bugging him, and he redid the entire rental library. They. The games have colored dots now so that they're supposed to be, is this going in the party game section of the family games or the two-player or co-op or whatever it is? So the rental library, Spencer went through and purged it of all the board games that we can no longer actually get. because. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. So we took out all the ones we can't order for people. And then he reorganized the entire thing, the layout. So with, with tags printed and hanging on the shelves, to say what kind of game are you looking for and put games into those specific sections. That is Spencer. I hope you listen to this episode. Yeah. Cause he did that fantastic. Friday when we were having that first part of the storm and nobody was coming in the store was pretty dead and he just stayed and finished it. And I got there Saturday and I was like, Holy crap. Well done, Spencer. Bravo Spencer. But with that, our episode is going to come to a close. I'd like to thank the Jamie for joining me today. And if you want a chance to talk about your tabletop with us, Come and find us at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment on the podcast app of your choice. Come right to the source by uh, emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com, or as we have talked about multiple times, join us on the Red Raccoon Discord. We have our own channel on there. Uh, Hoppy's on there. Sam's on there. We've been talking to a lot of you. It's been really fun. We know Jamie's beard is a problem, but it's also the source of his power. So we're, we're working through some audio issues. I, Hopefully I this tucked episode is my better. chair in closer to the table so I could not physically lean back further away from the microphone this time. There has been talk about getting him a Garth Brooks microphone that like can just like, like go around his face. Yeah. Uh, that is going to be talked about more. I think that's in the works. I got friends in, in low places. places. Uh, we but, should just stop now. Right. Yeah, that's good. We're done. Bye. Bye.